0: My purpose is to be a good person and to be an excellent father.
1: Welcome to the Purposeful Story Podcast, where we interview entrepreneurs Drivers and social impactors who use purpose as the driver to achieve greatness. My name is Kobe Mponsa, and I'm here to provide you with priceless value that will last a lifetime. So let's get right into it. So today we have Rana Chahan, Chief Investment Strategist at Investment Planning Council. Rana has an amazing mind. He's a very sound, critical thinker. He's been in the financial industry for over 30 years now, correct?
0: Yep. I'm an old man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, with, with age comes wisdom. I really respect that. And and the unique thing about Rana is that he has a degree in physics and medicine and a degree in finance. And I've never seen that combination before. It's really impressive. So, Rana, thanks for coming on the show today. You're more than welcome. So, Rana, first off, how are you
0: feeling today? Like, how, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I always try to feel good. Okay, look at the good things that are happening. Mm-hmm. All right. And not get caught up in all the bad stuff so to me almost every day is good
1: got you and Rana just to start off from the beginnings where were you born and
0: raised ah I was raised in England brought up there did all my schooling there in my early 20s decided to leave there to come to Canada so it's England and Canada really got you and you just talked about your
1: your education what intrigued you about getting into physics and, and medicine
0: okay so when I was in England I was one of those silly kids that somebody would say, what's the hardest thing to do? And then I would do it. It was the challenge. So if somebody had told me at 13 years old, the hardest thing to do is climb mine at Mount Everest, I would have probably have tried that. But somebody said to me, the hardest thing to do is physics and medicine, <laughs> right? I just happened that way. So I looked towards that. I'm glad I did it because it changes the way you think. I think having a financial brain and having a scientific brain are very different, okay? In science, you're trying to find causes, derive facts, build on that, do experimentation. Sorry, that's in uh, in physics and science. That's what you do in science. But in finance, you sometimes just accept the number or you just accept what's happened. Oh, GDP is down or interest rates are, you know, 2% and you just accept it without looking at the science behind it. I think everybody should have a little bit of an interest in science, okay, whatever form of science, call it curiosity of science or anything, and then be able to relate it to fineness. I find the problems in fineness is because they're not thinking the way that a scientist would think about things. So yeah, that's kind of how it all happened. I did that, once I'd finished that, I worked, and then I didn't enjoy. I always enjoyed finance because it was the next hardest thing to do after doing physics and medicine. What's the hardest thing to do? Finance. (laughs) But,
1: but, But but what intrigued you about about going into finance after going through physics and medicine?
0: It's still the same thing as dealing with people. It's it's finding reasonings, and what I saw at that time was a lot of people were getting interested in finance, but they were getting caught up in prices and things moving. And at that young age, I had to look after myself as well. So one of the things I've always said about finance, it's the ultimate best career or thinking because everything in the world revolves around finance. A doctor becomes a doctor because he wants money, which is finance. All right. Like everything revolves around finance. You get sick because of finance. You get happy because of finance. So finance is the ultimate doctor. Mm. You have to think about it. That's the ultimate thing. So if you can look after finance, you can look after all aspects. And if you really do well with finance, you don't need much else in life. You can get money to generate money. And that's the ideal situation. Then you're not dependent on somebody firing you. All right. So in this world, it's, it's such a, a wasted, like a use and abuse world. You know, they'll hire you when they don't need you. They'll easily lay you off. So I'm always thinking like for people, one of the things they should be thinking about is what happens. This is comes from now it comes to the physics part and the mathematics part is I'm always thinking in probabilities. So the probability here is that you're not going to have your job forever and somebody else has a control over you. So at any moment they can go, sorry, we don't need you. Hmm. What have you prepared for that? So by thinking in physics, medicine, finance, probabilities, and I'm a huge, huge fan of game theory, all right? I have a master's in game theory, mathematics, and that side, and that's really made me realize how it is important to always have a plan B, all right? Always have a plan B. There is no certainty. The only certainty in this world is probability. That's kind of what happened. And I looked at finance and I was, okay, this is like a nicer challenge. All right. And some, the, the medical system has its limits. Whereas finance, you're always trying to figure out a way and to do something. And it's, it's the ultimate challenge, really. It's like playing chess. <laughs> okay.
1: hmm. And that leads to my next question. Can you tell us what game theory is?
0: Yes. Game theory, it's not games, all right. It's not about games. So the, the naming is all wrong. game theory is actually chess, it's thinking, it's about thinking and making strategic decisions with thinking, knowing and understanding what happens if we do this, what happens if we do that, and what is the ultimate result that you're trying to get, okay? And by the way, we do it every day. Okay. When you're driving your car, you're actually doing game theory because you're trying to figure out, well, this car's going to go faster. I better not get in his way. Or if I go to this lane and get ahead, I can get ahead of the red light. But that's game theory. And the ultimate best place for game theory is the investment world. Mm. Because that's everyday. Politics is game theory. What the election what selections elections are doing now that's game theory. So when you can put the lens of game theory onto everything, then you start to see what is the truth behind something. Game theory is not about games. It's about how to make decisions. Got you. Interesting. And
1: Rana currently we're in the midst of a pandemic and the market has also taken a very interesting hit in, in various different ways. And you've talked about that as well, but with all this going on, how does one still invest? Like, how does your strategy change? Like, it kind of might be a loaded question, but, you know, in that All scenario, right. what would an
0: investor do? Okay. So one of the things that I always look at is the, an event has happened. That is the truth. An event did happen. We have to be evidence-based, not opinion-based. Hmm. Okay, that's the, the mistakes we make because we listen to too many opinions without understanding the evidence. All right. So... It's kind of like if you have cancer, you got to look at the cancer rather than start to make opinions about it. So we did have an event. Now what we have to do is look for similar events in the past and they're never 100% similar, but there is 60%, 70%, 80% similar to it and realize what happened around them. Okay, so there's your game theory, okay? Okay, let's see how we realize. It. So in particular in this one, the similar event to this was SARS, okay. So, you know, once SARS had happened, you know, they got together and it kind of worked its way through and there were certain companies that did better. So, what was the dynamics of those companies? That's what we got to understand from here. What happened here was very interesting in that you have shift from an analog world to a digital world. So, what it took 12 years to do, they did In a couple of months, we are now accepting of the new world, which is the digital world. We're more accepting of Amazon. We're more accepting of Netflix. We communicate more with Facebook. We do more of these Zoom things. Well, just seven months ago, this would have been alien to us. So it's to look at the evidence and then what are the changes that are really happening. And I'm not trying to make a guess here. Okay. If I asked you, have you ordered anything from Amazon in the last month? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, you're just proof of it. The other question I'll ask you is, what credit card do you, do you use? Visa. Okay. So there are things that have, no matter what virus happens, those are definite things. Hmm. But I can tell you one thing, in the last probably five months, you have not been on a plane. Nope. <laughs> Okay. There's the evidence.
2: Hmm.
0: All right. So investing is all about the truths and not getting caught up in the media and the media experts that have their own spin. So in media, and I'm 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 very much trying to make people see the truth in media and not just take it for granted that they're going to tell you. The people that come on to media, usually they talk their book. So what that means is, I will tell you to sell something because I want to buy it. So I'll tell you, oh, gold's crap. Oh, this stock's crap. This stock's no good. And the whole reason is so that you can sell it so I can buy it. Uh And I will tell you to buy something because I'm trying to sell it. All right? So you've got to understand. This is game theory. What are the biases of the players in the game? And that's a better – so now you're getting a better understanding of understanding biases and then make the decision based on that.
1: That's very interesting. And, you know, in a world with so much information, so much noise, sometimes it can be hard to filter through and understand, okay, what's facts and what's guessing or wild speculation. How do you decipher between the two? Like, is it quick for you or do you have to kind of dig
0: a bit? It's usually pretty quick because if it's an opinion, somebody will say, well, I think this is going to happen. And I just totally ignore that. Hmm. All right, I and then I look for did the market drop. I'm not trying to guess when the market's going to rise, and then did the market rise? Yes. Well, that's actual. Trend. You you don't have to look very far for that. You know, you we get it every day on the internet. But the opinions is where the noise is. So you're trying to find the signal in the noise. Got you. Right? And and what you have to try to do the signal is filter out all the noise. Okay. But somewhere in that noise, there is a signal. So every so often you'll see something, you say, you know what? That's actually not noise. This really did happen. And, and a very important signal right now, if we were to look now, is the flooding that's going on in China. That's real. You can't hide that. Okay. And then you're trying to see, okay, what's the evidence that that will have an impact? So I'm waiting for the evidence as opposed to saying, oh, because of the flood, this is going to happen. It's better to be late than be early. Mm-hmm. That's a very hard thing for me because everybody wants to be early to the party. But I'm saying it's better to be late to the party and know that there really is a party, all right, And then be involved in it, okay? In, in whatever, and, and if the party finishes earlier and we're still there, that's okay too, right? We can leave after that even. So people are so into timing the exact moments And I say, you can't do that, but you can watch for it and then be after that and be happy with that. That's some powerful stuff, (laughs) Rana.
1: So, Rana, I want to ask you, you've done some amazing work and you've been doing this for a while now. But I'd like to ask, what drives you to study these markets on a consistent basis, constantly share your knowledge and expertise and educate yourself
0: and maintain that focus? So, what drives me is my children. Hmm. I want them to not make the mistakes that I made. I'm just like my father didn't want me to make the mistakes he made. And we are a finance-based family. When they were growing up, I basically didn't give them a choice of career. It's not true really, because the way I did it was, I would take them with me when I was doing finance. And from the age of 13 onwards, they've been with me in meetings. Very. Hmm. So I'm having meetings with some high you know, investment people, and you got a 13-year-old and a 12-year-old, something like that, involved there. And then we come home and talk about it. So slowly they've been brainwashed. So when they were trying to choose their careers, I told them, I want you to go to a particular university and a particular, but it's your choice. But I'll only pay for this one. <laughs> right? Nice. So you know, they kind of got the program and they got into there, they finished it. But now they're thinking the same way. So what happens is, as a family, we can debate things a lot. And that's increased the communication between the children. It's hard when I know, let's say I know medicine, and he's a lawyer, and the other one's an engineer. We actually don't have a common language, even though they could be very good. Hmm. But by having the same language and discussing it, oh, what does this mean? What does that mean? We actually get to be a tighter family. And so what drives me is my children.
1: Got you. Would that be a bit of game theory that you used on your on your children there? <laughs> yeah, actually it was, but it was before I <laughs> knew game theory. <laughs> I've never heard that perspective before. Cause it's, I don't know if you've read the book um, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, but yes, yes you, you, you did exactly that. Like you, you did exactly that. I commend you on that for real. <laughs> nice. So Rana, in today's market, what are some of the things that you do to stay educated and informed?
0: The things that I do may be a little bit harder to do. I build a circle around me of people I trust in the markets. These are investment people. These are investment managers or, or something. That I build a circle and I build a circle in the medical field as well. I still keep in touch. So I communicate with them. And that's how I actually get my information. And then we discuss things. We come out. And then I look for things that corroborate it or go against it. And I'd rather find things that go against my thinking than for my thinking. Huh. Uh, so that I can actually it, – it's trying to find a devil's advocate. Okay, say, okay, no, Ronnie, you made, made, made a mistake here. And, and then I ask, why? And then you figure, ah, oh, that was great. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be criticized because somebody's doing it to try to make me better. All right. Criticism is actually a good friend because then you can look and say, maybe I did do something wrong and also not taking it to heart. Oh, they criticize me and try to say, okay, where was I off? And trying to do that. So my source of information is discussions. Okay? And, and that's kind of what this data thing is about as well is to be able to share and talk. And that's why that community is so powerful because you get to share and talk and sharing and talking. I think people do less of that now. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the, that's where I think is the real benefit. So that's kind of where I get my information from.
1: That's very interesting because when you talk about that, it's, it's almost like you have to take yourself out of your body and, and come from a outside perspective to look at what's happening. So mm-hmm. that's, that's very hard to do. Cause you have to, you have to change your whole concept of thinking
0: and look from the other side. Hmm we'll make mistakes, we'll make mistakes, but the best thing you can do for mistakes is own up to it and learn from it and then try not to make it again. Got you. Okay, and that's very hard because the, our enemy is actually our ego, all right? It really is our enemy, okay? It, it's us is the, the enemy in this. If you can make not it not about me, but about my family, then your ego changes. Because you're trying to look at the betterment of your children as opposed to the betterment of me. Hmm. And that's what kind of drives it. Okay, am I doing this in the best interests of my children? And that that's a hard thing for people because they all want the applause, you know, they they want to get a pat on the back. Mm-hmm. Right? And I say no, the pat on the back comes when your children give you the pat on the back. Mm. And for
1: for individuals who maybe might not have the the access to get information from you know accredited investors and people of uh, high status in the investment industry, how would they obtain those facts? Obtain that knowledge that is key to, to key indicators. The
0: facts are out there. Okay, that is already there. We see that. As an example, here is one fact: there is a U.S. election on November third. That is a fact. All right? And you know after that, it's going to be over with it. That is also a fact. I don't need special information on that. And I don't need special information on, oh, this is going to happen to this company, this is going to happen to this company. All right, that's not all right. You have a core set of beliefs and you're trying to say, are my beliefs correct? And we don't have to keep on looking for these magic kind of things like coins or something that they call company. Oh, I got to find this magic company that does it. Companies are always evolving and changing. And you've got to realize, am I in that company that can evolve and improve and change? Or am I in that company that is not evolving and changing? So again, the digital to the analog. All right. And where does it There's no magic out there. Okay, there really isn't anything magic. The magic is really you understanding your side and when something, let's say, drops that you own and you still think it's a good company, having the conviction, doing the homework, and then saying that. Now, something bad could happen to a company that there's no way we will ever know. You know, CEO gets sued or something like that. Well, there's no way we're going to, but once it happens, the actual event, then you can decide on what you want to do there. Is it a significant event or not? But everybody thinks that somebody out there investment has something magic about them. They don't. Even Warren Buffett doesn't have anything magic about him. What he has really good about him is he has very focused thinking, all right? And he understands the companies that he's holding, and he has conviction on the growth that those companies can produce. When they don't, he exits them.
1: Got you. Yeah, it's very interesting. Omar, Omar always mentions that someone asked him why people don't adopt this strategy. It makes so much sense. And, and Warren Buffett just simply said, people just aren't interested in getting wealthy slowly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's having to understand process. So Rana, in your role as a chief investment strategist, can you tell us some of the things you do?
0: Yes. Again, strategy is game theory. Okay, so one of the things I'm always trying to do is assess where the problems are and then try to see the reality of that problem and how do we cope around that problem and the other side of it is not just a problem but also an opportunity mm. and try to assess the opportunity around there and it's again along with game theory you're trying to picture a situation. so think of medicine as a great example for this you've got a patient coming in and he says I have pain here all right, so what you're trying to do is figure out, okay, let's test this pain. Let's figure out, is it bad not. So you put an X-ray, you put an MRI and know, that, and then you see this little shaded gray part in it. And then you said, okay, now what I gotta do is assess, is that a tumor or is it worse? So a little bit more time, but once you've assessed it, then what you're doing is using your history of other patients And what happened there, you try to read the journals around it and medication, try to figure out and say, what are my next steps with this patient to try to cure it or to try to manage it? Or is it surgery? Is it something else? So in a chief investment strategist, I'm doing the same thing, but on the level of finance. In okay, trying to it's like uh, as an example, the uh, right now there's something interesting. It's called the real interest rate is negative. That means interest rates minus inflation is negative. Now that's a rare occurrence, hmm. but it's also the reason that gold went up. So you got to go back. That same thing happened in 2011, and it also happened in 1979, and gold price shot up. But the key thing in this whole thing is not the interest rate is the inflation expectation. Now I'm using the word expectation here. With the interest rate is real. The 10 year bond is sold and it's sold at 0.51% interest. That is real. Somebody bought it. Mm -hmm. The part that isn't real is the inflation expectation because that's given by brokerage houses. So brokerage houses, well, we think inflation is going to be 3%. That's an opinion. So what happens, because of all those opinions coming together, real yields went down, the real interest rate went negative, gold price went up. But here's the key thing. What can change that expectation? Because remember, it's an opinion. So what can change that expectation? One of the things that could happen very strongly when you look at all the past ones, how did they change it, is because the US government came in, the Fed came in and they said, we think the economy is still weak. We don't think inflation is going to rise that much as, as expectations. Straight away, the expectations come down. The interest rates are the same, and you get a positive yield, and gold comes down. This is why gold is coming down now. And it has nothing to do with the US dollar. It has nothing to do with the economy. So people are reading it wrong because you didn't know what was the previous parts of the malady. Mm. Now you see how fine and now you see how the healthcare is coming into it. All right. So people would just look at something. Oh, gold price is going up. I'm going to chase it. You no, know, that's where game theory comes in and saying why did it happen, not did it happen, but is the underlying cause real and can it be changed? The other part of this that people don't realize is the largest holders of gold in the world is the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. So as gold prices are rising, somebody's buying, but somebody's selling. Who do you think selling it? The U S government. Yeah. So now the U S government is selling it, but who can change the expectations of inflation, the U S government. So they got you to buy it. They changed the expectation. Gold prices goes down. Who do you think is going to be buying it at the lower part?
1: The U S government.
0: Oh, beautiful. (laughs) And you've just fallen into the trap. Hmm. (laughs) Right. You've just fallen straight into the trap and they've done this consistently. They've done it since 1979, but you had to understand the, the tumor in this one. And the tumor was inflation expectations. Okay? That's kind of how game theory kind of fits into it.
1: Wow. And what you were just describing with gold, does the government int- Do they
0: intentionally do that? Do they know they're doing it or? No, because it- that would be kind of like really bad. Yes. But Also this government wasn't there in 1979 and they weren't there in 2011 mm-hmm. what happens is they have to keep a certain base of money and if it goes above that they say let's sell it let's sell it all right and because they, they've got to manage their budget as well so if somebody's offering a high price they say, okay i'll sell it it's like you hold a stock it goes higher you say okay it's gone beyond my point i'm going to sell it got you So they aren't as connected here, but the fact is that they can also control expectations, right? Which is a whole different area. One is treasury, one is the reserve, but they kind of work together. So when they say, well, we actually think expectations of expectation of inflation are way above. Well, the combination of the two would drop it. And then it's easy when it goes below a point, they'll end up being the buyers of it. But it's not manipulate plan. It's a process that they have. We just have to understand what the process is and not get caught up in the love affair with an investment. We have to be very cold. This is one of the other beautiful things about Warren Buffett. He's actually pretty cold on his investments. And you saw that when he just recently sold his airlines. Okay, sell. Mm. So you have to have a cold, almost an autistic brain, all right? I personally think Warren Buffett's slightly autistic, okay? He's on the Asperger's syndrome of it. And I understand why, because being uh, Asperger's means that, especially this, the lowest part, part of the spectrum, means that you're very, very focused. Yes. Uh, okay, and, and, and that's good, being that, that part, very, very focused. And I think the winners in the world, and, and I learned this from somebody else, are the ones that are focused. And that's what's lacking in this world, with the internet, the TV, and everything, we become unfocused.
1: Omar, Omar mentioned a similar thing as well. He mentioned the exact same, same thing. And right. it's, it's very true. It's very true. What are some of the common mistakes that you see investors making?
0: One of the ones that I, I dislike the most is what I call diversification. All right? Not diversification, diversification. All right? They diversify to the point you've taken everything out of it. Right. You've had so many things that you actually can't move forward. <laughs> and that's the number one, because the, the financial industry has brainwashed everybody into thinking diversification is the right route. And in, in the base case, it is really. But they've done it so much that they made it beige. What color is beige? <laughs> beige is different to everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's what's happened. So one of the worst mistakes I think out there is to over diversify. And that, that's part of the mistake. The other mistake I think is that people really don't have a process. Okay. And the other thing is they, so they don't have a process. Remember this focus thing, focusing around. So people get lost in strategies. Oh, maybe I'll try a little bit of that strategy. where we'll try a little bit of that strategy. Bruce Lee says, I'm not afraid of the one that can kick or so much. I'm afraid of that guy who's practiced that same kick a thousand times. Hmm. That's who he's afraid of. Not the one that knows, you know, he knows the left kick. He knows the right kick. He knows the front kick. Now that doesn't matter to me. But if the guy only knows the front kick, but he knows it very, very well, that's the guy that I'm afraid of because he knows how to use it. And that's what happens is we do too many strategies. And if we can just, you know, focus on one strategy that we understand, we're accountable, we know the risks of it, we don't know, you know, we can manage it, we'll be far ahead of everybody else as they try to look for the next golden nugget.
1: Got you. And the diversification piece is, is very key because I think when you, when you talk about that, it's more about diversifying with intention instead of just diversifying just to diversify. And I think that's what you were, you were, you were touching on as well because – yeah. You, can, you can literally diversify yourself out of opportunity. <laughs>
0: Perfect. Perfect. Exactly that route. I, I find that the world is, it's actually very simple, but we've made it so complex. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be that complex at all. Okay? And also the world's done something is they, they've got this, the disease is called comparisonitis. It, almost the entire world has got comparisonitis. And that is, I'm trying to compare myself to the next door guy, you know, his car, my car, the US president trying to compare himself to Chinese prime minister, you know, and there's all this comparison going on. And so that means that you're making it too complex when really what you've got to do is do kind of like what's right for my family. Right. And just keep to that focus. I don't need to know that my neighbor's got a Mercedes. I don't know how he's financed it. All right. Just because you got a great house or a great card doesn't mean that you're more secure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. In the medical field, I found many fellow physicians that had all the luxuries, but had they had one accident and they couldn't practice anymore, they had zero luxuries. Okay? And then when you subtracted all the debt out of them, they had less money than the guy on the street. So we can't get lost in the glitter that is out there. That's the worst part we do is we look at other people and say, oh, he's done that. Therefore, I got to do that. I guess, no, scrap that. That doesn't make sense. The only people you are accountable is to your family.
1: Powerful. And just on that topic as well, why do you think finance, real estate investing, stock investing isn't taught in high schools and elementary school?
0: I think the teachers don't understand it themselves. So we're in a system where it's not their fault, by the way, okay? It's easy to learn mathematics. It's easy to learn physics because they really don't change that much. Hmm. So they will teach that. And by the way, mathematics is the most important skill somebody on mathematics and communication. And I would always encourage every child to take a class in drama. I think drama is the most one of the most important classes you can ever take in school right? Because mathematics you need, communications, we know English writing and everything, but drama is about talking to other people. Hmm. So I made both of my kids do drama, even though they hated it. But it helps later on as a skill. It's a, it's a life skill. So the reason schools don't do it, it's not their fault. It really isn't. Finance is something that can't be taught because it is always evolving as an example they are going to teach you something called modern portfolio theory which is put a bunch of bonds together put a bunch of equity together slap them together the standard deviations have to be lower of the two combined than each individual you got lower risk that's what they're going to teach you because that's what it the problem is the word modern well that was written in 1960 okay That was before there was ETFs. You know, that was before there was high-frequency training. That was before options really came into it. So it's hard for the schools to teach it. I think it's a better route to teach it outside of school and where practice can be done with it. I I think hands-on practice with finance is far better than book learning with finance. Okay, Because I can do all the theory, but I can't practice it. Mm-hmm. and practice slowly, slowly, slowly gives you confidence, and then you can understand it better. So I, I that's where it, I don't blame the system at all, all right? They just don't know. Well said. So what's next for Rana Chohan? What's next for Rana Well, I'm enjoying the things. I'm enjoying interacting with the people I interact with. I enjoy seeing people grow and people flourish. Okay? I really enjoy that part, and I enjoy making Good friends in the same circles or in building my financial circle and my other life circles. Okay. That's right. Career wise, there isn't anything else I want to do career wise. All right. I have no ambitions on that side. The only ambition I have is to be a better father. Okay. That's my number one ambition in life is to give them and to teach them and do it. But I really enjoy the circles that are being built now. And I think we're in this new awakening because of COVID. I'm very thankful to COVID, by the way.
2: Hmm.
0: All right. why, very, why do you say that? Because what's happened is we've now realized in our lives what we actually needed and what we didn't need. Yes. Okay, so all of a sudden you realize, well, I didn't really need to do that. I didn't really need to do that. And you've also realized how close some friendships are. Hmm. So I'm very thankful to it because think of all the people that we're talking to now through COVID. I wouldn't have talked to you before on this because of COVID. Yeah, sure. All right? So this is another circle that's been built, and it's mm-hmm. a good circle. Yeah. Okay, So that's what I, I'm very grateful to COVID, actually. I'm very sad that people are going through it, but I also know that there is things that you can do. Hmm. All right? And we've, we've learned some great lessons that we should have learned before, which is the masks and the clowniness and everything like that, Okay, and social isolation, social isolation means physical isolation, not social isolation. The term is wrong because I'm socially not isolating with you right now, okay, physically. So now whenever you have something, you'll be able to immediately go back into your little cave, right, and say, okay, I'm going to do that. By the way, COVID is never going to go away. Coronavirus has been with us. The last one that I saw recorded, the latest, the last very one that I saw recorded was 1800. We still got that strain right now.
2: Hmm.
0: COVID-224, still around. There was one in 1943. There was one in 1969. It's still around. What's happened is, as the COVIDs come in, our bodies adapt to it. Our antibodies adjust for it. And then it kind of morphs. The last time we had coronavirus in society was in 2003. That was called SARS so it's uh, okay, very acute respiratory syndrome
2: mm-hmm.
0: right that was 2003 so from 2003 to now 17 years so we will have one but it's not like it's going to happen tomorrow okay so and we'll get used to this and the, and the most important thing about coronavirus is the vaccine is going to be kind of useless because the vaccine can only treat the the virus, and our DNAs are so different. All right, so it'll it'll die after after about six months or a year. That vaccine is useless. So now we're going to purposely keep on doing those vaccines to try and stay with it. When in fact our bodies have already adjusted. The most important thing is not a vaccine, but actually a therapeutic. So I'll give you the example of the flu. You have a flu vaccine. Every year you take the flu vaccine. But more important is when you get the flu, you get a chest pain or something like that, or you get a cough, you go to the pharmacist and he gives you Benadryl as an example. Well, what Benadryl does, it affects the symptoms. And it's the symptoms that are actually hurting you. Because if you don't have Benadryl, then the phlegm kind of builds up and it kind of starts blocking and everything. So the vaccine itself is only trying to stop it, but most likely you're going to get it. It's what you do, the evidence of what you do there that matters. So I'm actually more interested in the therapeutics because that same therapeutic will last for a very, very long time. Benadryl doesn't change that much. And we take it for the flu. Think about it. When you get the flu, what do you do? Benadryl. Or something like that. Yeah,
1: Buckley's or...
0: Buckley's. Well, what that does, it relieves the symptoms, and then you just let your body do the rest until you come out of it. It's no different for this one.
1: I'm pretty sure I I mean there's no way I can know for sure, but I'm pretty sure I had coronavirus in February. Like i I was you probably sick. Probably did. I was sick really bad and I had all the same symptoms.
0: I'm telling you, probably you did. They've actually gone back and said it started around October 2019. Wow. Okay. So it's been around. All right. It was just how it got into people. And I don't want to blame anybody for it. It's Mm -hmm. the fact is it's there now. What use is it blaming somebody? None. It, It gets you nowhere. What you can do is tackle it now. That's it. Okay. So yes, you probably did. And so did many other people, but what happened good out of it is you went through the 14 day period. So because of you going through that 14 day period, your body's actually marked it up now. So the next time it comes it won't have as much impact on you. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the part that people don't realize. A lot of people did have it. It was just not called COVID then. It was just called the flu or... Well, you just thought it was the flu. Yeah. It's just a bad strain of the flu. Oh, my God, I feel awful. And I get the shakes and everything. So this is the same thing that happens in finance. All right? They look at this crash and say, oh, my God, this is bad. And I say, well, you, you had one in 2018, December. Right, That also fell. Did you forget December 2018? So from October to December, it fell, and then you recovered. So the prescription for the recovery of the market is now sell. There's a Benadryl for the stock market now, and that Benadryl is stimulus, yeah. quantitative easing. But that Benadryl will be there forever. It may take a different form, but stimulus will be there. So they, they, it took them a while to figure out what is the stimulus. But now they've got it. That's why I'm not as worried about, oh, a major crash. I mean, it'll happen. It, it, it will absolutely happen. But the stupidest thing I could do is panic about it. It's happened. Now let me reassess. Let's look at the evidence of what is in there. Mm-hmm. Did Kobe stop using his Visa card? Right. <laughs> so if the next market crash happens, please call me up and say, Rana, I stopped using the Visa card. Then I'll start worrying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're brilliant mind. Thanks for that. This is the purpose round where entrepreneurs creatives and social impactors are asked a series of questions that highlight their true purpose so welcome to the purpose round where we ask the right questions that really bring out the purpose behind our entrepreneurs and their journey so rana what is your purpose
0: my purpose is to be a good person and to be an excellent father and what's your morning routine like my morning routine is I have an early morning call with my friends to assess things. And it's, it is done in a very friendly manner. And they are from around the world. And then I try to assess what, what is the game plan that's going to happen? And is there anything bad? Okay, that's what I try to assess. And then I get on with my routine. Okay, my routine is, you know, read a little bit of something interesting, all right? Something usually different. Try to shake the brain, breakfast and all that stuff. Get into the normal routine of it, and then it's it's just trying to talk and understand things. It it's no not that complex, really. Got you. Yeah. And one thing
1: I want to bring up, just building relationships. How do you build relationships? Let's say you're an individual who maybe you're you're trying to you're trying to build your investment portfolio, and you're probably in the beginning stages, but you want to build a relationship with a mentor who's experienced, right? Who's way ahead of you. How do you go about doing that?
0: One of the things that I've learned is to respect everybody, every mm-hmm. single body, okay? There is nothing special I have. Like, Hubie, you have a skill set that I will never ever have. And I have to respect you for that. And then I always ask for guidance and help. And rather than saying is, look, if you don't mind, can I pop a couple of questions to you? Oh, would you mind if I called you up every so often on a question? Well, that's building a friendship without asking for mentorship. Hmm. It, but it really is respecting everybody. Like I'm the world's lousiest mechanic, <laughs> but I will respect the mechanic because he is way better than me. So rather than looking down on somebody, I would rather look up at him and he becomes my mentor in the car. And so it is really, again, it's trying to take your ego away and trying to say this person in front of me, even though people may look down on him, he's actually very good in this. And therefore, I want to talk to him about that.
1: Yeah. If you could have a conversation with one person living or dead, who would it be and why?
0: Well, this is not going to (laughs) be one most people will like, but it's actually with my wife. Huh. All right. My wife died when my kids were very young. And that's the part that's been lacking. So if you really ask me, honestly, that would be it. Okay. I, and, and I think the lesson here is to talk to the loved ones in your family while you have them around you. Huh. Yeah. I, I think that's the lesson that, that comes from it. I was so busy building the business that I actually didn't put enough time in her and that's a forever regret. So that's kind of, the, I don't want anybody to go through that. And I teach my children that as well. You don't ever go through that. And that's where I would have said it. Got
1: you. That's a powerful answer. And there's lots of value in that. So I, I don't think it's, it's an answer that no one w- wouldn't want here. They definitely, it's a powerful answer for sure. If you had to build a business with only $100 from the ground up, how would you leverage that 100 $100.
0: I would first look for the people around me that I want to be with. To me, the team you have, and they've got to be a passionate team to you, okay? They've got to have the common goals and everything. I would rather spend the $100 in that and share the ideas. And if I can partnership up with my $100 and their $100, maybe I have $500, okay? But it comes from having the right team. And it's, again, people. Okay. That's how I would do it rather than buy a special subscription or a special book or even buy a certain stock. Okay. Although I do believe in that. There's a, there's a crazy thing that happened to me recently. And it was a, a, a friend or somebody that I knew. He was t- around 26 years old, 1995. And his investment person, he didn't really want to do investment, but his investment person told him to look in your RSP, buy one stock and just do that and you got the RSP. So he did it, it was Enbridge, right? And then he moved, he moved from Halifax all the way to Calgary. And he forgot about this completely because his mother was living in, uh, in Halifax. So she would get the statement she just put in a bag and he never really came back that much and never looked, at. It. she completely forgot about it. His mother died recently, okay? And they're opening up all the things and he goes, there's this whole bag of papers. He starts opening them up and he goes, Oh, this is crazy. All right. And then he calls us up and says, Hey, this is what happened. And we say, okay, what, what do you think the value of that one Enbridge share was from 1995 to now? This is about 25 odd years. Pick a number out of the air. Let's say $5. Okay. How about 1.25 million? Wow. Because of, the he was dividend reinvested and the dividends grew at 9% and the stock actually averaged about 11%. So the two of those combined, right, came to that number.
1: Sorry, I thought you were, I thought you were asking me um what the original price of the, the stock no. was, but, but that, that makes sense. So was it like it was a dividend reinvestment plan? Was it
0: something yep. like that? Yep, he put in a dividend reinvestment plan and yeah, that's what had happened. Jeez. So yeah. that shows you the value of not paying too much attention to it, but having, he totally forgot about it. Right. He thought he was getting an inheritance of nothing. It was actually his own money. But sometimes we overdo something and we don't realize that this process is there. Yeah. How, how many years was this? 25 years. Wow. Look at that. 25 years. And, and I didn't believe it. So I had to do all the maths all over again. And I said, yep, you're right. There is no error in this because it was in an RSP. It's not taxed. Hmm. All right. So, yeah. That's a crazy thing. But he kept he kept on saying, well, if I'd seen before well, I would have taken it out at a hundred thousand, something like that. Good thing he didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. So there is a lot of good stuff out there. Now, yeah, when you think about it, there's tons of stuff like that. Now he could have done better, by the way. All right. If he, okay? if he, was, trading, if he was trading options on Enbridge, Yeah, he imagine. could have done better. He could yeah. have done better writing puts on it than taking the premiums and using that. But he didn't know. Mm-hmm and it still worked out. So yes, there are those things.
1: Wow. Yeah, I, I have a dividend reinvestment plan with TELUS. Yeah, So I don't, I don't plan on taking that out for- Stick
0: it in an RSA and then forget about it. Absolutely. 20, 25 years later,
1: okay. What's the best advice you've ever received?
0: So my favorite individual in the world is somebody called Tom Mossico. I, I absolutely love this individual. And the best advice Actually, he gave me two pieces of advice, but the the first one was um, concentrate. Concentrate, you only need a few things rather than a lot of things. And then keep on putting the best things in. And if it doesn't meet the criteria of those, it doesn't go into that. Then the other thing he said to me was measure twice, cut once. Whatever you're going to do, think about it twice, then make the decision. Wow. Those are
1: some serious gems. What would you say... List your top three most influential books.
0: Oh, this is really good because I'm going to start with the least influential and then I'll go to the most influential. All right. The least one is The Richest Man in Babylon, George Clayson. I think everybody in the world should read this one. The book is only like seven bucks maximum. All right. And, And it was written so long ago, like in the 1930s. The Richest Man in Babylon. It's written in a biblical sense, and it's very, very powerful, very powerful. The next one is The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. The last one, which I think is the most, the best book I've ever written, and I actually made a friend of the author, a very good friend of it, is Contrarian Investment Strategies by David Dreamer. That is by far the best investment book I have ever, ever seen, period. It changed my life on investments. And yet, not too many people know about it. I actually made friends with him. I went to New York, spent time with him. There's pictures of us together. He became a very good friend as well. We talked a lot about things. and I got quite a few signed copies of him, of all of his different books. Contrarian Investment Strategies, best book ever seen on investments. All right. Tell us
1: something that you think is true about business that most people don't agree with you on.
0: About business. Yes. Okay. That one, it takes a lot of money. Okay. That I think is not true. All right. The other thing is that that I I find is that it's actually, you're going to have a lot of struggles in the early phase. It takes a while for people to see it. So when people look at the end of it, they see the success, but they don't see the one way going into that success. And also, I would say is one of the things that they they, they don't listen to the critics. Learn from the critics. Mm. Right? Learn from them. Don't avoid them. Learn from them to improve. Okay, so people give up too easy. You know, your uncle says, oh, this isn't going to, oh, okay, he knows better than me. I'm not going to do it. All right, your dad says, well, why are you wasting your time? Well, you're going to give up. But actually, if you can struggle through the tough periods, it kind of works its way way through. And, And always be good. Always be good. When you think of others before yourself, you'll benefit more.
1: Is there any last piece of value
0: you can leave with our listeners? Try to take yourself out of anything. Look at the most important things in your life, the people in your life. The most important things are not things. The most important things are people. And it's so easy to lose yourself in that. Because everybody's about things. I got a shiny watch. I got this fantastic car. I got this big house. But that's the outer empty shell. If you're not doing it with your family or your loved ones or whoever is there, it's kind of like a hollow existence. And those things can be taken away from you. The love that you have with your family and the goodness that you have there, and and especially the friends that you have, if it's based on goodness, even in tough times, those are the ones that are going to keep you strong. So I would say build some good, strong relationships. Got you.
1: And how can the Purposeful Story family stay connected with you?
0: I think we can. We, you're already part of the community. All right. That's probably the best route Okay, in that community. They've done a great job in the theater community. I think that's the best way. All right. And then whenever you want to have questions, just call up and ask a question. All right. I mean, I'm always willing to share. I may not have the right answer. I may not have any answer, but I will tell you that. The worst thing you can do is make up an answer, All right. The best thing is just say, I don't know, but I'll find out for you.
1: And so I guess for the listeners as well, the best way would probably be LinkedIn. You're pretty
0: active on LinkedIn as well, correct? Yeah, I'm always trying to make sure that the right information is being given out. And, and I will battle everything, all the media size, everything to say, okay, here's what the truth is. I'm an advocate of the truth. Okay, and I will always try to put the facts aside to it and, uh, with it. And so LinkedIn is a great place. I, I actually think LinkedIn is a good company in what it's trying to do. If there's no political biases behind it. There's nothing else. It's just how do we keep on improving and creating those circles that way. That's kind of how I believe it to be better. Yeah, And I think the theater community is just off the charts excellent. Amazing. Right? What those guys have done is like crazy, crazy good. All right you know improving people's lives and they did it all from the goodness of their heart and that's mm-hmm. what i love about them is that hey you know like let's put people you didn't get this taught at school but practice and you can learn and that's why i think that you know goodness gives you results and i think they're doing an excellent so data community is also a great result
1: absolutely rana appreciate you coming on the show
0: anytime kobe anytime
1: and thank you purposeful story family for listening to the purposeful story podcast and remember Live every day with purpose so all your actions are clear. Talk soon. This episode was brought to you by my senior editor, Podcast Doc, and the beats were created by DJ Nana. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. All it does is drive more listeners to the podcast as we continue to share more purposeful stories to your eardrums. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.